You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. For those who may not have been with us last weekend, last weekend was a big travel weekend for the holiday. Um, I want to just take a moment and catch us all up and make sure that we're learning from the same page. So uh, last weekend, we started a new three-week teaching series. The teaching series comes from a very small Old Testament book so small that it can be very challenging to find. It only consists of three chapters. Uh, The book is the book of Habakkuk. It's kind of near the end, and it can get lost in the prophets. Um, And the series is called Hope in the Dark. Um, Just a quick refresher of what we talked about last week. A quick refresher could be summarized somewhat like this. Um, We actually know very little about Habakkuk, other than the two mentions of himself in the book that he wrote. Um, And as he wrote in those two mentions, both times he referred to himself as Habakkuk the prophet. So we know that Habakkuk was a professional prophet, or perhaps the best way to say it is that uh, he was a prophet appointed by God. As we read through the three chapters, we can also assume that somehow Habakkuk was involved in the worship of God in the temple. Um, uh, Habakkuk, much like Jonah, was a very frustrated prophet. And he was frustrated. He was frustrated at all the evil that he saw going on around him. And um, the evil that he saw was actually from his own people, the people of Judah. And so he cried out to God and he said, I want justice. I want justice against my own people. Um, The the prophecy of Habakkuk was believed to have been written somewhere around 606 B.C. and was directed to a world that through the eyes of the people of God, that world seemed like it was on the brink of disaster. Again, he was, uh, for for, uh, Habakkuk, he was just perplexed by what he saw going on around him. He was perplexed by the evildoers. And as a result, Habakkuk was not afraid to ask questions of God. He was not afraid to question God. But here's the great thing. Not only was he courageous enough to ask questions of God, but he also had the wisdom that after asking the questions that he knew to stop, to wait, and to listen for God to speak. He was willing to wait, stop, listen for God to speak. Um, What we talked about last week is that through the story of Habakkuk, um, as believers, we're encouraged to have faith that God will indeed work all things out for good. So listen, whatever the situation is in your life, if things aren't going well right now, our God, our sovereign God will indeed work that situation. He's working a plan and he's going to work it out for your good. We also learned through the story of Habakkuk that there is no place too dark and there is no wall too thick that God by his grace and his mercy uh, can't penetrate through that wall in a very life-giving, life-affirming way. One of the other things that surfaced last weekend about Habakkuk is that not only is he frustrated about all the evil that's going on around him, but he's frustrated at least initially by God's response as he's been crying out. He's frustrated by the plan that God reveals. I asked this question several times last weekend, and I want to ask it again today. Um, Does this sound familiar? As you navigate through life, 
Do you ever find yourself frustrated with God, disappointed, perplexed because of what you would deem to be God's seemingly lack of response, that God seems silent? Do you ever find yourself frustrated with God because when God does speak, the plan he reveals is not the plan that you think he should be working? How many times have you said, is there a plan B or C because A is not working out for me, God? I've been in that position. I have been frustrated with God. I don't always like the plan, even though I know that God works all things out for good. Um, Here's the bottom line. When we face adversity, when we face difficulty, when we face pain, we want answers and we want relief. And if you're like me, you want it now. You don't want to have to wait. You want want it now. Uh, The problem is, is that so often... The, the answers that we're seeking and the relief that we want doesn't come quickly. Um, I can honestly say that I have rarely seen, if ever have seen, God work according to my calendar or my clock. He just doesn't keep up with my calendar and my clock. I have never sensed that God suddenly was startled and felt a sense of urgency because of what my perceived crisis might be. I've never felt God to be in a rush uh, to do things quickly, even though I thought he should. And why is that true? Why is God not in a rush? Well, one, we said because God is working all things out for good. But listen, we want God to deal with our um, circumstances. And God wants to develop our character. Let me say that again. We want God to deal with our circumstances, our complexities. And, And God wants to develop our character. We want God to change our circumstances. And God wants to change us first. You see, here's the deal. Our character is primary and our circumstances are secondary. It's not that God doesn't care about our circumstances, but he is working something in us. Remember, our goal is to become spiritually formed, that we are to be like the Father, and the way that we do that is by imitating Christ the Son, who is the exact image of the Father. And so, in order for that to happen, there are situations and there are circumstances, and we have to be patient because God is working to develop our character. And this is exactly what we see modeled uh, as God and Habakkuk interact together through the story of Habakkuk. This morning, we want to focus on Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. In fact, you can go ahead and take your Bibles, and uh, you could turn there. Uh, Like I said, it's sometimes a little challenging to find Habakkuk, so it might take you a little bit of time. Those who have their phones, you're cheaters. You just kind of swipe, and it's there. Um, But we're going to focus on chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. But I believe that to fully understand the weight of those four verses, we need to know what's transpired prior to that, what's taken place in in chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. So I'm going to read those verses to you in just a moment. But before I read them, I want to go ahead and um, I just want to summarize what you're going to hear. And here's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear confusion. Habakkuk expresses confusion over God's action. 
Habakkuk is confused by the fact that God would choose to use the Babylonians. The Babylonians were an evil people, and they were more evil than the evildoers of Judah. And, and Habakkuk was perplexed. He was confused why God would use that evil people to bring justice to a people who were not as evil as they were. It just did not seem right to him. You can see the perplexity as we read through the verses. Listen, beginning in verse 12. Oh, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. Oh, Lord, you have appointed them, them being the Babylonians, to execute judgment. Oh, Rock, you have ordained them, the Babylonians, to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. He's asking, why would you do that? Because you're the Holy God. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked, the Babylonians, swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made men like fish in the sea, like sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet. So he's talking about how the Babylonians will capture the people of Judah. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net, he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest foods Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? In other words, he's saying, God, why would you allow this? Why would you allow the Babylonians to do this? They're an evil people. God, why would you allow this? Habakkuk finds himself um, in a state of pain. God is not acting or performing in the way that Habakkuk thought he should. He finds himself in a state of struggle, and he has more questions than when he started. Um, Life is not happening as Habakkuk thought it should or would, and so he finds himself in a quandary. And I'm going to ask you again, how often do we find ourselves in a similar situation? How often do we find ourselves in a state of confusion because of the events that the sovereign God has allowed to take place in our lives? Or how often are we uh, in a state of confusion, a state of struggle because uh, God seems unresponsive? Or how often do we find ourselves in that state of confusion when God does answer and the plan that he reveals is not what we would believe to be the right plan? It causes us to ask those questions that we talked about last week. Why? Why, God? Why them? Why me? Why now? What did we do to deserve this? What did I do to deserve this? God, this just doesn't seem fair. And to that, I would say, uh, I would ask the question, if and when this is our scenario, then what are we supposed to do? When God seems unresponsive, how are we to respond? You see, it requires a response. Even when God seems unresponsive, we need to respond somehow. So how do we respond when God seems unresponsive? So as we look to chapter 2, we see that after six verses of complaint in 12 through 17 of chapter 1, we see that Habakkuk begins to make a course adjustment. And we see that in chapter 2, verse 1. Listen to what it says. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. And here's the lesson. 
When God seems unresponsive, learn to listen. When God seems unresponsive, learn to listen. In essence, Habakkuk is saying in verse 1, I am going to poise myself. I'm going to put myself in a stance where I will listen for your voice. I'm going to listen, God. Here's what he didn't say. He didn't say, God, I'm going to poise myself so I can hear you. Did you know there's a difference between listening and hearing? For uh, a few moments ago, um, Lee uh, asked us to greet people in the room. And so while that was happening, there were multiple conversations going on all throughout this room. And all of us in this room, we could hear the sound of those conversations but we really weren't listening to any of them. Hopefully, you were listening to the person who was talking to you. That would be courteous. But we can hear, but we don't necessarily engage. We don't necessarily take the time to listen. You see, so often we hear, but because our mind has the ability to multitask, we don't actually engage in listening. Men, husbands... I don't want to pick on you. I am one. But let me ask you, how often have you heard your wife ask this question? Are you listening to me? Anybody, men, any man ever heard you? Just raise your hand. Yeah. Are you listening to me? Sometimes it's, honey, are you listening to me? Dear, are you listening to me? What she's not asking is, did you hear me? Because she knows you heard her, but she knows you weren't engaged. You weren't listening because you were preoccupied. And while she was talking, there was no eye contact. And you're going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you might even be able to repeat back what she said, but you weren't listening. You weren't engaged in the process. Yes, it's very true, guys. We have to, we have to, to admit this. Um, I wonder... How often might God ask us, are you listening to me? Not just the men, but the women. Are you listening to me? You see, I believe that so often we don't hear the answers to the questions that we have because we don't stop long enough to pause and poise ourselves to listen for God's voice because you have to be able to listen before you can hear. Does this, does this make any sense? You're tracking with me. Uh, I think that it can be a problem for all of us. Again, not just husbands, but for everyone in the room. And so I want to offer you something. I want to offer you what I would classify as a spiritual tool that will help you uh, learn how to or help you learn how to poise yourself so that you can actually listen for God's voice and engage in the process with him. Um, and uh, it's simply called a centering prayer. It's a prayer that would help us uh, when we come into God's presence that we would be able to focus and empty out everything else and, and begin to just recognize that we are in his presence. This particular centering prayer comes from Psalm 4610, which says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And so here's how this would work. Uh, when you have your devotional time, and I trust that you all have some kind of quiet time with the Lord, uh, but when you have your devotional time, that you would make sure that you are in a quiet place, that you're all by yourself, um, and that you would, you would be uh, 
your thought would be, I'm going to poise myself so I can listen for God's voice. And then this be still and know that I am God, you would turn it into a prayer. And you would be, um, uh, you would work through a process of praying through this prayer in five diminishing sentences. And it would go something like this. So you find yourself alone and you begin to focus on God and you simply say as a prayer, be still and know that I am God. Then you begin to just ponder that. What did you just say? Be still. God is speaking. Be still and know that I'm God. And then uh, uh, just you, you would take a breath where you would breathe in the presence of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and you would breathe it out. And then you would pray, be still and know that I am. And you would just ponder that. You would meditate on that, focusing on God. Breathing in the presence of God, breathing out the presence of God. And then you would pray, be still and know that I. And you would continue to follow that process and be, pray, be still and know that. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Here's the importance of that. God is more concerned about our being than our doing. We so often, too often, we get caught up in, I've got to do these things for God. I've got to do, I've got to do, I've got to do. And we are called to good works. It's not part of our salvation. It's not how we gain our salvation. But as believers, we're called to good works. But God is concerned about us being with him, learning to be in his presence, learning to focus on who he is. And so I don't know about you, but there's a lot of monkeys that go on in my, in my head. And when I sit down for my devotions, if I don't have some kind of plan, I might be reading about, in fact, in my devotions right now, I'm reading about David fleeing from Absalom. And as I'm reading that, it's very possible that I might read a sentence and then I think, wow, David's fleeing from Absalom. I'm so hungry. Yeah, David's fleeing from Absalom. I wonder what's going to be for lunch. What did we have last night? I don't think I can remember. What time is that appointment? I, you, I, that's the kinds of things that really go on in my mind. So I need something that will help me draw into and focus on God. And so I would encourage you throughout this week, if you would begin to just do something like this in your devotions, because God is more concerned about your being with him than what you're doing for him. He wants you to be with him. When, we, when God seems unresponsive and we poise ourselves to listen, he will speak. Uh, when God speaks, it's also important not to let it slip away. One of the best ways to guard against this is to write it down. And that's the instruction that God gave to Habakkuk. Write it down. In verse 2, it says, Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tables so that a herald may run with it. Why is this important? Um, it's important because when God says something to you, it's important but it's also uh, necessary that we understand that when God speaks, the spiritual enemy of our souls is an expert at coming in and working to steal the seeds of truth that God is trying to plant in our hearts. And if we don't write it down, it's going to get stolen. The next day, you're thinking, what is it that 
God told me something yesterday. What was it? And you just can't remember. The enemy came in and stole it. Another reason we need to write it down is we are processing so many things in our mind at one time that if we don't write it down, we're going to forget it. I'm giving the illustration throughout the morning. Um, oftentimes, if Cammie knows I'm out, she might call and say, can you stop at the grocery store while you're out and pick up? And she might pick, say, pick up uh, eggs and milk and bread and juice. Um, and so I have a common response. Uh, can you text it to me? In other words, will, will you write it down? Or I can take out my phone and I can, I can, in my notes section, I can write it down. Because here's the deal. If I don't, I will forget. And when I go to the grocery store, I will try to remember what she said. But I'm probably going to come home with cookies and ice cream and cookies and ice cream. Because I can't remember. I didn't write it down. And so my encouragement to all of us is that during our, our, our quiet times, our devotional times, that time we're spending with the Lord, that we would have a notebook, that we would have a journal close by, and that when God speaks something, that we would write it down and we would time stamp it. And then when times of discouragement come, when we find we're doubting that we could go back to that notebook, we could go back to that journal, and we could begin to read through all the things that God has spoken to us in the past. And so as we're reading through them, we say, he spoke that, and he brought it to pass, and he spoke that, and he brought it to pass, and he spoke this, and I'm still waiting on it to happen, but I know it's going to happen because God is always true to his promises. It's a faith builder. It's a faith builder. How do you know when you're listening and you believe that God speaks? How do you know that it's really from God? And it's a really simple test. When God speaks, it will always be in alignment with his character and with his word. It will never deviate from what the word of God says. So it's a, it's a great opportunity to create your own Bible study. If God speaks to you and you write it down, then go to the Bible and find scriptures that actually validate it. Don't take them out of context. Okay, it's real easy to do that. You got to read before and after. And, and then you, you recognize, yes, that was God that was speaking to me. Oftentimes he'll confirm it through other people and through the word. There are many ways, but know for sure that it's God speaking. Sometimes as we poise ourselves to listen, God will speak quickly. And other times because he's working something in us, it will mean that we will need to wait. And that's the instruction that he gave to Habakkuk. Look at verse 3. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. God knows the appointed times and seasons of our life. The reason that God knows those appointed times and seasons is because God sets those appointed times and seasons. And if God has spoken it, if God has ordained it, if God has set a time and season in our life, he will bring it to pass. It will happen, but it will be in his time frame and not ours. It may coordinate somewhat with when we thought it happened, but it's always going to be because God set it in motion. Here's the bottom line. Sometimes when God speaks, he just says, wait, not now. It's not time yet. But when God promises, he will bring it to pass. Um, uh, there's a reward for those who will wait. We find that reward in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It says this, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not be faint. That makes waiting sound very worthwhile. It really does. Um, Finally, when God seems unresponsive, we have to believe. We have to believe. It says in verse 4, See, he is puffed up. His desires are uh, not upright, but the righteous will live by his faith. When God doesn't respond as we thought he would, um, our tendency oftentimes, maybe not always, is to move into doubt. Um, Here's what God was saying to Habakkuk, and this is what I believe God is saying to us today. And I'm going to actually read this to you because I actually believe that it's prophetic in nature, that it's a word that the Lord has given for us today as a people. Um, Here's what God would say to us. I see your situation. I am aware. I'm asking you to trust me, even though you question and you don't fully understand. Believe. Have faith. I am a just God. I will take care of the liars and the cheats and those who steal and those who are committed to evil. As for you, live by your faith in me. I won't let you down. That's a word from the Lord. I believe that that's a word that one or more need to receive today. He's not going to let you down. Never doubt in the dark what you know to be true in the light. God will always, always, always work for our good. God is always at work. Even when we think he's unresponsive, God is working out his plan. And his plan is not just a good plan. It is the best plan. And so we have to poise ourselves to listen. We need to write down what he's saying. We need to learn to wait and we have to believe. God will always bring it to pass. Um, In your worship guide today, you should find something that looks like this. We had one last weekend. Uh, We're providing a... uh, a resource for you to use during your devotionals this week, your quiet time. Uh, Last week, uh, there was a devotional by Pastor Farrell. Um, If you didn't get that, there are copies of it out at the uh, uh, Guest Central. Um, uh, And this week, the devotional was actually written by me. There's some questions to follow. And I would ask that you maybe would just begin to include that in your quiet time this week. And see how God wants to continue to speak to you through the story of Habakkuk. Because there is so much to learn and so much to say. Remember, we are being formed into the image of Christ so that we can become like God the Father. We're committed to that. Would you stand? I want to pray for you. After service, there'll be prayer teams available if you have a prayer need. So just know you can come and there'll be someone here to pray with you. Uh, They're not going to counsel you, but believe that God's... Uh, God is bigger than your problem. Uh, Would you pray? Father God, thank you for your presence in this place today. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for the word from Habakkuk. I pray that we would continue to learn from your word and by your Holy Spirit. And I pray again that we would be different as we walk out of this place than when we came because of the truth of your word and the work of your spirit. I pray a blessing over this people in every way as we go. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, 
visit us at gracecovenant.org.